The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. At this point, her experience in putting all of this together, in starting out as a social worker who wanted to publish a novel, and now having become a multiple best-selling novelist who writes in different genres and has, you know, audiences of many different ages and, you know, is huge on book talk, for example. I would love to see a masterclass from Colleen Hoover because, you know, it doesn't mean she has to give a craft masterclass in, you know, prose or literary fiction, but boy, could she give us all some lessons in how to decide what path in book publishing you're going to take and when you're going to, you know, accept this kind of contract and then, you know, why you would want to publish over here in a different way, all of that kind of stuff. I I think it would be really interesting. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience and perseverance per usual. Longtime literary critic and publishing insider Beth Ann Patrick is back to chat with me about the return of her hit podcast, Missing Pages, her front row seat to the seat change in publishing, and her life affirming first memoir, Life B. Beth Ann is a world renowned literary critic, author, and host of the chart topping and signal award winning podcast, Missing Pages. Her work appears frequently in the LA Times, as well as in the Washington Post, NPR, and LitHub. Missing Pages is back, the Webby Award-nominated podcast named a must-listen by The Washington Post and The Guardian, has a second season on deck that features authors, experts, publishing insiders, and a circus of New York City media elites. Host Beth Ann sits down with notable guests to set the record straight on the secretive world of book publishing. From the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bands across America to the idea of who owns what in fan fiction, Missing Pages investigates it all. Beth Ann also recently published her first memoir, Life B, bracing and fresh look at a lifelong struggle with depression and mental illness. It was described by New York Times bestselling author Lori Gottlieb as insightful, honest, and ultimately life-affirming. In this file, Beth Ann and I discussed what it was like to have her podcast nominated for a Webby Award, the sui generis of the Colleen Hoover effect, what the ambitious second season of Missing Pages plans to tackle, the origins and evolution of the novel, how she wrote her first memoir, and a lot more. 
Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Yes, we are back on The Writer Files, and I am thrilled today to be joined by a return guest. We've got the world-renowned literary critic <laughs> and host of the chart-topping and Signal award-winning podcast, Missing Pages, Beth Ann Patrick is hanging out with us. Once again, thank you so much for doing this. I am so glad to be here, Kelton, and so glad to be a returning guest. Uh, and I want to say, I, I am really excited about the Signal Award. Do not get me wrong, but we won an honorable mention at the Webby Awards. And that was amazing in arts and culture because the winners were like NPR, Pushkin, BBC. And I'm like, we got an honorable mention after them. I'm pretty, pretty amazed. Uh, Missing Pages and the Podglomerate uh, has uh, been an unstoppable force. So very exciting. Yeah, yeah really exciting. Um, congrats on all the Thank you. great press around the podcast. Of course, a big shout out to the Podglomerate team. And uh, yeah, I mean, just like rock stars, right? They really are. Um, if anyone out there is thinking, hmm, you know, who should I work with? The podglomerate, it is that there, that's who you should be with because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And when um I was hired to host this podcast, I also, you know, became um, an important part of its I, I don't want to say production because I'm not actually doing any engineering or anything like that. But uh -huh. um, um, in terms of, you know, writing and booking and interviewing, you know, yeah, I became and ideating and all of that. Uh, I became yeah. part of that. And it's been a real pleasure um, in collaboration. It's been just something that was really, really fantastic for me and remains so. Well, you've been very busy. I know you've been... <laughs> <laughs> overseas and uh now you're yeah working hard again on this second season of missing pages which of course is super compelling already right out of the gates um i got a chance to listen to the colleen hoover episode and uh it's pretty fascinating honestly like because we hear about colleen hoover's success and it's kind of like wait wait where did this where did this author come from, right? And you just right. kind of set the record straight on this meteoric rise to, uh, I mean, just this unprecedented string of bestsellers, as you put it, the first self-published author to hit a number one New York Times bestselling list. And it's just like, whoa, it's head spinning. This story is amazing. The story is amazing, and not just one spot on the New York Times bestseller list. Although, as you said, Kelton, you know, she is the first. I don't think Hugh Howey's books ever got to number one. Um, and it's amazing to see that New York Times list with Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that we really tried to dive into as deeply as we could in this episode, which is the first one um, of season two, was to determine, is this something that's going to be happening again and again? 
Or is Colleen Hoover sui generis? You know, is Colleen Hoover mm. someone who just, you know, was in the right place at the right time with all of the right skills? I, I think a lot of people would agree that the writing in Colleen Hoover's books is not, you know, the the gold standard for prose, okay? But that isn't really what matters here because, first of all, readers going to read what they want to read, and many, many millions of readers want to read Colleen Hoover. And Colleen Hoover isn't trying to be, I don't know, Toni Morrison or um, John Updike or any, you know, other big, famous, award-winning writer. She is writing what she loves to write. And she has also, I think, learned a lot. Um, it's very interesting. And I'm, I'm sorry, I will stop in a second. But, you know, she first self-published. And then, of course, she's been picked up by, you know, traditional publishing, but still also is doing self-publishing, I believe. Um, I haven't kept up because who knows, she might have written 10 new novels since last week, Kelton, for all I know. <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, it's seriously. And so the thing is, at this point, her experience in putting all of this together, in starting out as a social worker who wanted to publish a novel, and now having become a multiple best-selling novelist who writes in different genres and has, you know, audiences of many different ages and, you know, is huge on book talk, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to see a masterclass from Colleen Hoover because, you know, it doesn't mean she has to give a craft masterclass in, you know, prose or literary fiction, but boy, could she give us all some lessons in how to decide what path in book publishing you're going to take and when you're going to, you know, accept this kind of contract and then, you know, why you would want to publish over here in a different way, all of that kind of stuff. I, I think it would be really interesting. Yeah. There's a fascinating story. Um, obviously, of course, we want listeners to tune in to the newest season and yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, again, kind of setting the record straight as you put it on the publishing industry's hot button topics who better to do that than uh literary insider bethann earlier in the show i mentioned an invaluable resource for writers truth is the arrow mercy is the bow a diy manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing failing and trying again Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. 
And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. As if you're not busy enough writing your reviews and reading all of these books, you know, what, what else, what else is going on in your life? Are you, are you still, um, Writing regularly for the LA Times book review or I LA am, Times? Excuse I me. am. Yeah. Oh boy, do I love working with my editor there, Boris Kochka. And so every month I, I write a column on the top 10 books of the month. I do a profile of an author and I also write a review. And the interesting thing, because uh, I'm going to go on to the other things going on in a second, Kelton, is that in my critical life, it's just fiction, 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 except for the column. You know, I do look at nonfiction. I know what's going on. I'm not ignorant of it, but I am a fiction person all the way through. And I'm pretty Catholic in my tastes. I would say I read a lot of literary fiction, but, you know, a lot of commercial fiction. I do read a lot of mysteries and thrillers. I do review those for NPR books and they have always been, that's one of my, that was one of my gateway drugs into reading mm-hmm. and literature, you know, so I, I've never left, um, but I also read science fiction. I read, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, other genres, um, definitely paranormal stuff, a lot of world literature, literature and translation. I don't read a lot of romance, but here's something I always tell everyone. What we forget, I don't read formula romance, okay? I don't read Mm. the kind of romance Mm -hmm. where, you know, there are lots of books in a series or there are certain kinds of, you know, for instance, there are some forms of romance that always have to have the HEA, the happily ever after. I don't tend to look at those (laughs) very much, right? But to me... What we call literary fiction, fiction itself, the novel itself, came out of the romance. Um, In French, the novel is a roman. It is from that romantic tradition of looking at individuals and their actions and motivations. And that's where we have built up what we now think of as serious fiction. And yes, I do read it and I love it. But I think we sometimes, you know, like to pretend, oh, that is not a genre. No, 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 because that is is serious. It's award winning. And no, everything 
comes out of some kind of uh, genre tradition. So, um, but there's a couple of other things. I'll mention them really quickly, and then you can talk to me about them if you want to. Uh, (laughs) One is that this year I published my first wholly creative work, which was a memoir. It was with Counterpoint Press. It's called Life B, Overcoming Double Depression. So that sounds really serious and heavy. And a lot of the book, I think, is um, serious and heavy and honest, but it has a very, very hopeful ending. And I'm really proud of it. The book released in May. I think I got some wonderful coverage in the media. And I felt I've, I've gotten amazing reactions, both from people close to me, friends, family, colleagues, and also people I didn't expect to read the book who've reached out to me, both people suffering with undiagnosed or poorly treated mental health issues, but also writing colleagues who reached out to say specific things about what they loved about the book and what they loved about my writing. And that is gold. That is you know, you can't always talk about those things in public, you know, because it's mm-hmm. not a blurb, it's not a review, but it is something that is so meaningful. And I just want to say to everyone out there, write those notes, write those notes to the authors you know or don't mm. know, because it it is very meaningful. It is um, something that keeps us going. And I am, you know, working on an, a new kind of project. And, uh, you know, it's just keeping me going. But I'm also um, teaching now at American University. I'm teaching creative Mm. writing. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. uh, Yeah. I haven't taught for years and years. I'm loving it. I'm teaching two courses this semester, and one on the ethics of creative writing and one on literary editing and publishing. And I want to give a shout out to all of my students because they are amazing. And what I'm seeing is that despite all of the, you know, rumors of chat GPT, et cetera, on campus, when you have students write creatively, you know, I can do things, have them write in longhand in class and I do sometimes, Mm. et cetera, Uh but they, (laughs) they really, they, they, they engage, they really engage. And so uh, I was teaching on Wednesday and they're starting, um, to look at short fiction and the ethics of writing short fiction and what you Mm. include. And the ideas that they came up with for their stories just blew me away. I thought, we're just sitting here. And even if they said, chat GPT, give me an idea for a story. I don't know. They did something right. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Really interesting. Yeah. And again, um, Congrats on the reception of your memoir. That that is so cool. Thank you. I of course got to sample it, and I thought, yeah, this is this is just an important piece for you, and kind of raw and honest. And I thought it was really cool that Lori Gottlieb blurbed it and said, "Oh, that was amazing. Thank honest, you." And life affirming, and shows that it's never too late to take those first steps towards healing. And yeah, that's a, that's such a great affirmation. Of course, people called it brave, clear-eyed, and honest. You got um, such good press. Yeah, seriously, congrats. That's got to be kind of just, I don't know, life-affirming for you. And and was it hard? It was, um, you know, there were a couple of things. It took me quite a while to finish this book. It took me five years. I sold it on proposal. 
and that's a whole other show <laughs> mm. um, the you know the difference between selling a completed manuscript and selling on proposal in nonfiction and it was very hard i did finish uh, a big chunk of it five chapters at a residency um shout out to mm. the virginia center for the creative arts um that really really made a difference for me um i now want to evangelize about re retreats and residencies to everyone as opposed to workshops and you know more social kinds of things which are great go ahead do them but don't forget the power of a residency where you are really getting that time to dive into your work and i just said dive for the second time i'm terrible at media look at that <laughs> so terrible uh, but uh, you know the, the reception, writing it was really hard, finishing it was hard. But then when it was finished, it was really finished. And the amazing thing about that was to get that call from my agent saying, I love it, you know, and then your editor says, I love it. And I know a lot of people out there listening to the writer files have had that experience or are waiting for the experience. And that was so powerful for me. It was almost like, okay, that was when I was able to let go. So mm. by the time the book, you know, a year and a half, published a year and a half later, I was really at peace with the whole process. And so people would keep saying, you know, are you excited? Are you nervous? Do you have that anxiety? And I know that that <laughs> exists. Okay. I, and I am not, I am not in any way saying that people shouldn't have it or that it isn't really tough. But for some reason, maybe because this book, as you said, was really important for me to, to write and to finish, I felt very, felt very calm during mm. the whole release time. And in these past few months, um, you know, I think I did my work and now it's out there and it's going to find its readers. And I know it has because of things as I said, these very specific things that people are saying to me, people I admire and respect and have for years. They're not just saying, oh, great, you have a book out, congrats. They're saying, this chapter changed something for me, or the thing you said over here is something I will never forget. That kind of feedback is, as I said, also, again, here I am being bad at media. It's gold. And so mm. now I think I can do anything. I can go on. Even as someone who is emerging as a writer later, you know, um, in the mm -hmm. day, doesn't matter. I don't have any anxiety about that anymore. And I'm actually telling the truth. I am not just, you know, pretending to say, oh, no, I'm, you know, I really feel like. I am just beginning my real work and mm -hmm. that's exciting to me. That that is you know it's almost as if it's more important to be past that book than it was to have written it if that makes any sense. Yeah, I just I find it so interesting um, and inspiring speaking with 
and I'm no spring chicken, but all, <laughs> spe- speaking with, you know, writers who, who are, as you said, kind of emerging later in life. And I mean, how, how could you not though, uh, you know, with, with more experience and more life under your belt and, and, you know, a different viewpoint than you had in your twenties or thirties, um, when you, you know, maybe thought you were indestructible, you know? Um, right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm working, I had started um, in my 20s working on some short stories. It's a long story, but my husband's first military assignment was in Berlin. It was before the wall came down. And I had written a couple of short stories while we were there. And then I worked on them a little bit later on in my 20s, you know, would pick them up every five years or so, but get nowhere. And this year with the book coming out, suddenly the short stories really started coming together. Mm. And it is the, what I want to say about them is not, Oh, you know, look at me so productive, but I looked at, you know, the ones, (laughs) what I'd written in my twenties. And I thought, Oh, this is interesting because I do have a new perspective on it. And yet I really am the same person. And the other day, this is kind of a weird connection, but I, I think it works. I was watching a YouTube video about costuming on Mad Men. And the video Mm. focused a lot on Betty Draper and then the younger woman who works in the advertising agency, Peggy Olson. Yes. So, and what they were saying about Peggy Olson, let's leave Betty, you know, over here, is that, uh, you know, she changes her look drastically from the time she comes in with like a curly ponytail to the time, you know, she is a a woman of substance in her career and very slick and, you know, beautifully dressed and all this stuff. But she always wears plaid, said the person doing the video. You always see Peggy, an occasional plaid dress, a plaid jacket, a sweater with a plaid pattern. And that shows you the person producing the video said that she's still herself, that she's Mm. really someone who ultimately is a very consistent, stable personality. And that's how I feel about these short stories. They're not going to be the same. They're going to have a different perspective. Maybe I hope a little, maybe a little more wisdom, maybe a lot more hindsight, but I don't think that I am looking at this person that I don't recognize. I recognize her. I recognize that um, person um, in in who wrote the stories, you know, thirty years ago. And I'm really pleased to be able to work with her on these new versions of the stories. Amazing. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, and and look forward to what your next project is as a. As a now published author, but of course you're no no stranger to publishing, and and no. we want to <laughs> bring this back to missing pages. So I just wanted to say, of course, that the show was named a must listen by Washington Post, The Guardian, of course, the awards, and uh, yeah. So now we have the second season, featuring really a new mini series format on trending topics, news headlines. I mean, so many good things happening here on kind of this paradigm shift in publishing, which you have a front row seat to yes. and have for years. So who better to do it? Of course, you're hanging out with notable guests like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and um, of course, Publishers Weekly 
Jim Milliot uh, was on Love the first him. episode. Yes. Love them so both. much wisdom there and many, many others. Of course, I'll just do the plug from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bands across America to the idea of who owns what in fan fiction. Um, the podcast is really getting into a lot of cool stuff on this cha- in this changing literary landscape. So listeners tune in. We'll drop a link to the show, of course, and all the socials. Yeah. What else do you want to say about this uh, fantastic upcoming season and, and how to listen to it? Well, you know, I want to say that it's really been interesting to me how different the two seasons are, and yet they're still equally strong, I feel. This season is much less about individuals and much more about you know, the processes, the processes, I never know how to say that, that uh, make book publishing what it is today and how those are changing it. And also sometimes how publishing isn't responding uh, to change. So Mm. I hope that our, you know, loyal listeners will be really interested in seeing us pull back the curtain on some of these things, like what's the difference between ghostwriting and collaboration? And why was ghostwriting ever, you know, ghosty? Why was it ever, you know, not out there in the open? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. because it really, it really should be. It's kind of a, a cool thing, but the two different places, ghostwriting and collaboration, they really are different. And for instance, to name drop another big one, Funk, uh, a few weeks ago, I had the (laughs) opportunity to do a live event with James Patterson and Mike Lupica for their new book, which was called, is called 12 Months to Live. And they were absolutely vehement about the fact that what they do is not ghostwriting. It is collaboration. And they really do collaborate. They, When they are working on a book, they are just back and forth on Zoom and email and pinging each other you know, all day long. And mm-hmm. that's how Patterson works with most of the people he collaborates with. He is not into the ghostwriting thing. He likes to get people's names on the covers of his books. And then, of course, we've also seen actually traditional ghostwriters like J.R. Moringer, who, of course, wrote um, or collaborated on or whatever you want to say, Prince (laughs) Harry's memoir, Spare. And here's the thing. We all know that that book is beautifully written because Moringer is just an amazing, amazing prose stylist. And so this season is trying to talk more about those things so that readers and people in the industry and people who want to know more about it can feel really, really well advised that they are not missing out on what happens when someone tries to publish fan fiction. Or for instance, we've been working on um, an episode about the attack on Salman Rushdie. And Salman Rushdie was just given, you know, this um, major German literary prize Mm. for basically getting through that and still being someone who is writing and remaining engaged in the world and not backing down just because, uh, you know, there are people who have disagreed with him for years and are very scary 
people who have disagreed with him for years. So this season to me is just so compelling. And I there are so many stories that I would love to tell. I don't know <laughs> if there's going to be a season three. I cannot comment on that. Uh, Fingers but, crossed. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But I do know that Again, what I've heard from a lot of colleagues and a lot of, you know, people whose names I can't and won't drop is that they love it. And I, I'm astonished. I, I, I mm. hope that I got better between the seasons <laughs> as a host. I hope that I'm speaking, you know, more quickly and more fluidly and that, you know, I'm improving as a podcast host. But let me tell you, there's not much improvement that I can ask for from the rest of the team because I, I, they just knocked it out of the park. So 100% did knock it out of the park. And yeah, congrats to you and the team. Uh, and I can attest to the fact that it is getting better and juicier um, especially you. the the coho episode, uh, excellent, which is pretty fascinating. Honestly, you're you're cracking open this kind of these concentric circles of how she really kind of did it. Yes, um, you know, through the tech piece or the self publishing piece, and then the social media stuff, which is pretty fascinating stuff. So yeah, listeners definitely tune in. Bethann, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. Of course, the door is always open. <laughs> Thank you. Come back anytime. I'd love to chat with you more about stuff, you know, because one of the episodes you do actually this upcoming season is about the kind of Costa Nostra of publishing, right? And that's something yes. we talked about on the previous episode. So I'll, I'll link to the part one of our uh, chat. Yes. And I would love to talk more about that because I do think that you know, it, it's something that is really changing. And uh, is it changing quickly enough or not? I don't know. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here again. And this is just so much fun, uh, you know, talking about this stuff with someone who completely gets it. It's just a, a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.